To this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. to be in the house of the Lord, as I said, and I'm so excited today about the message that we're going to be dealing with. Today, we're going to be talking about deception. We're going to be talking about deception today, which is an extremely timely message, I believe, considering the date of today, October the 31st, or which is now being called, of course, Halloween. The definition of deception is as follows. I didn't get very far when I tried to define deception. It said being deceived. Okay, so I was like, okay, well, I guess we need to take another step. So let's look what deceive means. And I love the definition of deceive. The word or the definition of deceive means this, to make a person believe as true something which is false. Or to mislead. Let me read that out again and you can follow on the screen because I want you to get this today. To deceive or to be in deception is to be made to believe something is true when really it is false or to be misled. You cannot get much more direct than that. To be fooled into thinking a lie instead of living the truth. And can I say this? Deception began way before Halloween. We're not just talking about deception in Halloween. In fact, the deception of Satan only took three chapters into the Bible before it's seen. Satan didn't take long to try and deceive mankind. Thus showing every one of us that Satan's first weapon that he chose to attack mankind was the weapon of deception. And it's been his main weapon of attack ever since. It worked against Adam and Eve, and it still works against us today. Can you remember the Satan's conversation that he had with Eve in the garden? He said to Eve these words. He said to her, you want to be like God? That's what he said to Eve. He said, do you want to be like God? Now, I know he didn't say it exactly like that. So let's look exactly what Satan did say from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And it says these words. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you will die. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, 
your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. What did he say? Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Satan that day knew that the created could never be equal to the creator. Think about that statement. That which was created could never be equal to that which created or made or formed it. When Satan spoke to Eve that day and gave her a promise, he knew that that promise could not happen. He knew it was impossible. But he also knew if he could get her and deceive her into thinking it was true, that he would be able to destroy her. We've said this many times over the last few months in this church, and that is this, Satan cannot destroy you. Satan cannot destroy you. Oh, he's got every attack and every lie and he throws it out there. But he cannot destroy you because if he could, he would have already done so. But he is powerless. All he can do is what God allows him to do. So Satan knows his parameters. Satan knows his boundaries. So what does he do? He deceives us into believing what is what? False as the truth. He believes or deceives us into thinking a lie instead of understanding the truth. So Satan knew that day if he could get Eve just to bite into his scheme. Boom, boom. No pun intended. Come on, that was a joke. If he could get her just to bite into his scheme and take that apple and begin to eat, or that fruit, we've said it's an apple, but it doesn't tell us that. It was just a fruit that was good to look at. That Satan knew if he could get her to begin to believe the lie, the deception, he could destroy the whole of mankind. But most importantly, he could get back. God. Nothing else that day caught the attention of Satan. What an incredible place the Garden of Eden was. We cannot even begin to imagine. To a kid, the Garden of Eden would be Disney World. I mean, blow their minds away. To every one of us as adults, it may be a sunset beach in Hawaii or something like that. I mean, an incredible, the greatest place on the face of the earth we could ever even begin to imagine. And if you've ever gone to a place of such magnitude or such beauty, you are so caught by, wow, look at that. Oh, look at that. Wow, that's beautiful. Come on, see this, see that, see all of these things. But Satan that day was not distracted. This didn't attract him. That didn't attract him. There was only one thing that caught his attention that day, and that was God's children, God's creation. The only thing that was formed in the image and in the likeness of God. Satan knew he could not touch God. So he went after the closest thing to God. And that is mankind. 
How do we know this? Because the Bible says that God spoke and created. But when it came to mankind, He fashioned and He formed him with His hands and made him in the image and the likeness of Himself. Perhaps God had a mirror set up as He began to fashion and He began to form Adam into His image and into His likeness. So Satan knew, I'm going to go after that closest thing to God. And he has continued to deceive mankind ever since, trying to make us buy into the lie and accepting it as the truth. Listen to this scripture from Ephesians 4 verse 27. Just a few words, just literally six words this verse is. And it says these words, Nor give place to the devil. Really, this verse should, I think, read this way. Don't give opportunity. Because that's what it means. Don't give opportunity to the devil. Don't allow your life to become deceived. Don't believe a lie instead of accepting and living by the truth. The word place there in Greek is the word topos. And the word topos there literally means to give ground or to give opportunity for Satan to gain ground in your life. To give him real estate of your life. To let him have a foothold into your life. So what we're saying is don't open up your life through deception to allow Satan to come in that he can take a part of you. And as a result, he can destroy the outcome of of your life. First Peter verse five and or first Peter chapter five and verse eight gives us a clear description of Satan. The Bible tells us to be sober and to be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a seeking whom he great word in there. It says like a or two words. Like a. He deceives us into thinking he is. He's like A. He is not A. He's like A. He's deceiving us into believing that he is something which he's really not. There's two key words in that verse, and one of those is adversary, and the other one is devour. Not friend and not helper. Did you notice the words were not, he's my friend and he's my helper. The Bible says he's the adversary. And he is the devourer. He's our enemy. He's completely opposed to us. He's looking for ways to tear us apart limb by limb. That's what it means to devour something. To literally rip it apart. Satan's looking to rip your life apart. Has anyone ever experienced the ripping and the tearing of Satan's power? Ripping your families apart. Ripping your health apart. Ripping your finances apart. Just ripping every aspect because he's a devourer. He's an adversary. He's trying to destroy our lives. But as he rips us apart, it's a slow, painful ordeal that we find ourselves going through. You may say today, well, Pastor Philip, you know what? There's no way I'm going to be deceived by stuff like that. I mean, come on, for real, you know, I'm going to have my guard up and I'm going to look for Satan. After all, you know, we know what Satan looks like. 
Come on, we know what he looks like. He's got red horns. He's got warts all over his face. He wears an all-in-one red pajama suit. He's got a long, pointy tail. And he's got a red pitchfork. How many knows that he's pretty easy to spot in a crowd if he's looking like that? Come on, we've told ourselves it's okay. I know, oh, I'm, that's not of the devil. Oh, I'm not deceived by that. I'll see it when it comes. How many have ever been deceived by the powers of Satan and thought it was something completely the opposite? By your eyes, it looked okay. Come on. By your ears, it sounded good. Come on, sometimes in your heart, it felt right. But take another look. Take another look. It would be great if Satan was as such. It would be great if he did go around looking quite like that because it's like the Where's Waldo. I mean, you would be able to really pick him out and he would stand out in a crowd. We would see him before he even got close and we would go the opposite direction. We would never be a victim to that. And if we were, man, we really do have serious issues. But what's the title of our message today? Deception. Deception. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in the fifth verse, Paul begins to talk and warn the people of that day about false prophets. He warns them about false teachers who are coming in that are teaching things that are contrary to the Word of God, meaning not in the Word of God, partial truths, but not the whole truth. Enough to make them think it's okay, but when you really get down to it, it's not okay, because we've said it before, if it's not the whole truth, it's no truth at all. So he's warning them about false prophets who even confess Christ. And he says to them these words in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. He says this, and no wonder, he's talking to them, no wonder you fall. No wonder you miss what they're saying or you're deceived for what they're saying. Because of this reason, look what he says. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. No wonder you're deceived, he's telling them. Because the deceiver, Satan, he's not red and got horns and and warts and and a pitchfork and a long tail and a red pajama suit. He comes as an angel of light. We could give description after description, but that means that he can come in ways and shapes and forms that we cannot always see at first. It could be a great job opportunity, but what does that job opportunity do? Keeps you out of church, moves you away from your family. Is that really of God? Maybe. You better make sure. He can come as the opposite sex. Wow, y'all know you don't like to hear that. Come on, some of you want to shout amen because you married the devil. Come on, I'm only playing, I'm only playing, I'm only playing, I'm only playing. I'm only playing. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. God, forgive those people who are thinking those thoughts right now. Sad thing is, if you were probably thinking it, your spouse was probably thinking it too. Deception, 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 deception. As an angel of light. New Living Translation says, even Satan can, I like that word, disguise himself. Why? Because he's not an angel of light. 
He just disguises himself, deceives you into thinking that he is. That means that Satan, and as he was saying, the false prophets of that time, as Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians, can, can deceive us by appearing to be attractive, good, and moral. Now, this puts a whole different spin on the situation. It means he's not ugly and he's not grotesque. It means that it's not so easy to be spotted in our lives. That he can appear in such a way that will appeal to our appetites and to our desires. He uses the things we like to entice us. Come on, Satan's not going to use broccoli for most of you. Come on, Satan's not going to use broccoli. What do you mean broccoli? Most of you don't like broccoli, so Satan's not going to use that to entice you. A chain's only as strong as it's... I wonder what your weakest link is today. You see, your weak link is probably not the same weak link that I have. But every one of us has a weakness in our lives. And can I tell you that Satan's targeted area that he comes with deception? You know, there's a lot of people who are lonely. I understand loneliness. I mean, it's a real thing. But we've got to watch as a result of our loneliness that that does not become a weak link. That what? That we grab anything and everything that shows interest to us. Because we've got to watch. There can be angels of light. That Satan uses to disrupt our lives. He uses those things that appeal to us to entice us. Look what the Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 13 and verse through verse 16. It says these words. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away. What do we mean by drawn away? When he is what? Taken away from what is true. Just drawn away. It doesn't say being yanked away. But it speaks of just kind of swaying over just a little bit. Just a little bit of intrigue. Just a little bit of curiosity. Said this many times lately, but I'm going to preach a message to our young people called Curiosity Killed the Cat. It wasn't the car. It wasn't the bus. It wasn't the tree that it fell out of that killed the cat. They tell us it was curiosity that killed the cat. Why, how many lives do a cat have? Nine? Nine lives? But notice what curiosity would do when it just starts leaning that way. It begins to suck every last life. You've got to watch because Satan will use curiosity. You know one of the biggest struggles that we are facing with our young people today? And let's just, let's just be real today. And it's such a deception that's against our young people today is their sexuality. There is such a rise today in homosexuality and lesbianism. 
We've got kids today that are thinking they're homosexual and they're lesbians, and they are not. They just believe in the deception. They are not born with that. Come on, right now. They are not born into that. Come on, that is a sin. It's not a sickness. It's a sin. It's the result of sin. But there is so much deception today. Just because they've been hurt here, they start to explore. They start to be deceived and they start to believe something as true. That is what? A total lie. My kids are coming home nearly every week talking about people in their school that confess to have an identity crisis when it comes to sexuality. It's so sad. It breaks my heart. And I'm going to say this and then I'm going to move on. You better be ready. Because it was that sin that caused God to act against Sodom and Gomorrah. When you start seeing an escalation in that, I'm telling you right now, time is drawing to an end because God is getting ready to move. What is the symbol that they hide beneath? The rainbow. What is the symbol? That was a covenant that God gave mankind. God gave mankind a covenant as a rainbow. And he says, I will never destroy the earth again by a flood. And now what do they do? It's not by chance that they chose that symbol. I'm telling you, they chose that symbol that they can throw it back in the face of God and say, hey, you destroyed us once, but you can't touch us this time. Eternity's a long time. God loves the homosexual, but he hates homosexuality. We've got to call things as they are. We can't be deceived. Oh, it's okay. It's just a little phase. It's, it's okay. It's just... No, come on. We've got to wake up and realize that people have been drawn away. It's just a slightly, just a little intrigue. It's just a little bit here, there, just a little bit. So how are we fooled into being taken away? If I'm going to be fooled to be taken away from what's the best for my life, how many would agree something better has to be offered to me? There has to be the image of something that is better or greater than what I have. Why do men have affairs today? Because they are intrigued or they are misled or drawn away as something looks better or says it's going to be better or is going to treat them better than what they already have. So it's something that has to appeal to our desires. How many would agree it has to be something that appeals to our desire in order for us to be drawn away? And here's how Satan does it. Let's read on. He says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. By my desires for me, By your desires for you, the Bible says that we are tempted or deceived and drawn away by the desires of our lives. And with them, what happens? He entices us. He entices us. 
The New Living Translation says, Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. Let me read verse 15 on, if I would, and 15 and 16 from the New Living Translation. It says these words, These evil desires lead to evil actions, and evil actions lead to death. Verse 16, so do not be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. The New King James says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Why? Because deception is designed to take you out. As I mentioned earlier, today is, of course, Halloween. It's the 31st of October. The whole celebration of this day is deception. Let me say that one more time. The whole celebration of this day is total deception. It originally was known as the eve of the Celtics' New Year. The 31st was the night that the Druids, which was the priestly order of the Celtics, which would be a night that they honored their god, the god of Saman. They would literally call the night the feast or the festival of death, which was later adopted into the church and labeled as the Eve of All Saints' Day. I could go on and on talking about Halloween today, but I'm not going to. But I'm going to tell you this, the whole celebration of Halloween is founded completely in the occult. Meaning it's satanic in its origin and it still is today. Just look at the symbolism that is used for Halloween. Should make it pretty obvious what it's all about. Have you ever thought about the symbolism? It's not nice stuff. It's witches, it's monsters, it's spiders, it's ghosts, it's bats. I can say right now there's nothing there that really jumps out to me and makes me go, Ooh, I like that. Nothing really there that I could really say, Wow, that's really appealing. You know, nice witch. Wow, I like that. Nice bats, yeah! But through deception, the celebration of Saman, which is the Lord of Demons, it has filtered its way into our society and just now been labeled as a night of fun. And when the kids can go out and just have candy. It's a make-believe night. It's a night that has been craftily placed by Satan into our lives. Do you know that Halloween now except for Christmas, is the most celebrated holiday in this world. More people are spending more time and money on decorations for Halloween than what they are for Christmas. I went to Walmart last night. I felt sorry for the person who was in charge of the costume aisle. There was costumes and packages every which where, and people were literally almost fighting to grab a costume. I taught on this subject in greater depth, and I encourage every one of you to go on the website. It will be up later today. I had problems getting it up this week, but it will be up later today. We taught a two-part series on the trap of Halloween, and I encourage you to listen to the series because we go back to the history of it all, and we show you it from that. And if you want the CDs of that, just see Marcus or Drew 
at the CD table on your way out and fill out one of the forms and we'll make sure for next week that we'll have some CDs available for you. But listen to me, Satan wants to deceive you. He wants to steer you away from, to draw you away from the truth, to ultimately destroy your life. I pray that you all see now as you look over your shoulder the times that you thought you were living up. Remember those times when you thought life could never be better? Remember those times when you thought this is what life is all about? But if you were to look over your shoulder right now, you would realize that that wasn't really having fun. You weren't living out at all. But all you see now is how you were deceived into believing a lie and almost allowed it to destroy your life. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 says these words, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The King James Version says, My people perish because of lack of knowledge. You and I must understand and see that Satan is not finished coming against our lives, but he is looking for every opportunity to come and deceive us. We've got to have our guard up. We've got to be in the Word of God. We've got to be on our face in prayer. The Bible speaks about having confirmation and seeking the counsel of wise counsel. The multitude, the Bible speaks, in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. You've got to watch and realize that Satan, the angel of light, not the red all-in-one pajama suit, he's out to try and deceive and to destroy your life. I want to read of such a story today of the life of Samson. If you would, turn with me to Judges chapter 13, verses 3 through 5. Understand this, the book of Judges is all about people that God instituted after Moses had died and after Joshua had died, that God would raise up people, women as well as men, because one of those judges was Deborah, the prophetess, that was raised up, that the children of Israel would be misled and they would go into bondage and they would cry out to God and God would raise up a deliverer or a judge from within them and that judge would lead them out into victory. But once again, they would be deceived and they would be back into bondage and they would cry out to God again and He would send another judge that would lead them out and bring them into victory. But again, they would be deceived. Can you see the trap and the lie of Satan? So many times when we get into that place of deliverance, we are at our most vulnerable. Why? Because we let our guard down. We've got to be alert. As we read from 1 Peter 5, 8, we've got to be sober, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be on the watch out. So here we see as one of those judges, Samson, and Moses, or an angel comes to his mother. And says these words, Judges 13 verse 3, beginning through 5. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said unto her, Indeed, now you are barren and you have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. That meant someone who was separated unto God. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. 
Jump to verse 24 and it says this. So the woman bore a son and she called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. We just read the picture. Or what we just read is the picture of God's anointing or spirit being placed upon a chosen vessel. That God chose Samson. His mother was barren and God moved upon her life and created a miracle that she would have a son. And God said, set him apart. Teach him the right way. Because he's going to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. Can you see what was going on in Samson's life when all the kids were perhaps doing things that they shouldn't? Samson's mother would grab him away and say, Son, we don't do those things. Come on, parents, we need to be, what? The deliverer for our kids until they realize that God has placed a delivering call upon their lives. If we see them going the wrong way, pull them back. Why? Because we're believing that they are called and chosen of God. But look at the first thing. I think it's so funny, or so sad perhaps is a better way to put it. The first thing that we read of Samson's life from the very next verse, because it, the last verse that we read was Judges thirteen twenty four, and chapter 14, verse 1 says these words, Now Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. That may not mean much to you, but can I tell you, they were the enemy. The Philistines were the ones who were oppressing them. They were the enemy. They were the ones that the children of Israel had no business associating with or being a part of, never mind wanting to marry and be one with. Say, to me, say with me these words. It didn't take... Satan long. Didn't take him long. It doesn't take Satan long to try and deceive that which is called and anointed of God. He sees that life separated from God and his immediate response is what? To deceive him. For what reason? To draw him away. Notice the means that Satan used. It was a woman. Now, I'm not saying women, please, for one second, that you're to blame. But what I'm saying is the angel of light can come in any shape, in any form, to deceive us from what God has called us to be. That we'll accept a lie as the truth. Samson sees a woman that he has no business being with, but he still wants her. He's drawn away. Remember that scripture from James? He likes what he sees, so he's drawn away. She wasn't an ugly old woman. If she was, he would have walked past and not even noticed her again. When he goes to get her, the Bible tells us this, that a lion attacks him. But still, he doesn't see what's happening. He grabs that line and he rips it apart and he throws it to the side and keeps on walking. I want to ask you a question today. Has any lions attacked you lately? Now, I know that we're not talking about a wild, ferocious beast that's jumped out of the bushes and it's attacked you like a roaring lion. I know they haven't. 
But has anything out of the ordinary come across your path lately to perhaps stop you from where you are heading? God was trying to warn him right there. But what does he do? Instead of running, I'm telling you, if a lion jumped out at me, I wouldn't even think to take it on. Hello? I mean, come on. You've got to know what you're doing if you're going to take a lion on. You've got to be pretty crazy too. I'm going to be like Mr. Arnold. What did he say? He was going to, there was only going to be 499 left because he was going to be tailing it out of there. I don't think you would have seen me ever run so fast if a lion jumped out at me. I'm running back home. But what did he do? Maybe God has placed some lines across your path to make you reconsider the decisions and the choices that you're making. You can blow them off all you want. You can blow off all the warning signs all you want. We talk about it before. In the dash of your car, there is warning signs. Those signs are, there's a problem. If you don't heed that oil light and you don't get some oil in your car, it's not going to be long before your engine's going to seize up. If the brake light comes on, you better hurry up and stop while you can stop. Because your brakes are going out. You better heed the warnings. Come on, some of you right now know what I'm talking about. You've had some lions staring you down the last few weeks. And you keep blowing it off and say, oh no, he's not really that bad. Oh, she's not really that bad. I know they're going to get saved. Oh, that business deal is not, or this or that. Come on, heed What God is perhaps trying to show to you. Samson blows it off and what happens? It doesn't work with her. Why? Because she deceives him. Wow, what a surprise. I said, what a surprise. Because that's all Satan wants to do is deceive you. So it doesn't work with her. But here's a man that God's spirit is upon. One day he took up a jawbone of a donkey. A jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand men with a jawbone of the donkey. Man, that's a a man's man right there. I mean, we're not talking about the choir. He didn't take on the choir. Come on. They weren't the musicians. It wasn't the band that he took on. Come on. These were the mighty warriors that came. A thousand warriors all in their armor with their weapons. And he has a bone in his hand and he kills a thousand people. Again, like Mr. Arnold, I think there would only be 999 there left to kill because I would have taken off if I'd have seen what was happening. But I want you to see something. God's call was upon his life to a place that he thought he was invincible. But there is lessons that everyone... We better watch because we say, hey, God's with us and he's called us and I love God and I've given my life and I've paid my tithes and I've done all this. You better watch that you don't back back into a place of complacency in your life. Because you are at your most vulnerable when you are coasting through life. Kelly hates it when I put cruise control on in the car. Because she said it's like you're not really in control of the vehicle. You heard about the guy who sued the Winnebago, I think it was, company. He bought himself a brand new RV. And he was going down the interstate and he put it in cruise control and went back to make himself a cup of tea. (laughs) True story. 
crashed his RV, brand new RV. And he told them, you didn't tell me that if I had put it on cruise control that I couldn't leave the... Crazy. Come on, how many would say, crazy? But you know what? We can look and laugh at Mr. Winterbago or whoever he is. But I wonder how many stories of our life could be told today that the reply for every one of us today, even ourselves, would be crazy. Have you ever looked back at the stupid things that you did in your life and said, oh my God. Come on, I've got someone who's witnessing. Someone's thinking some of those thoughts right now. Crazy. Crazy. But you know what you would say after crazy? How did I ever do that? What was I thinking? I mean, when God said, hey, come for brains, I think someone thought he said, come if you want trains, and we didn't show up that day or something. I mean, crazy. We look back. But you know why we did those things? Deception. Deception. Deception is not just a thing of the past. Deception is still Satan's number one tool that he uses right now. We've got to watch. We've got to watch while we've got that jawbone in our hand and a thousand people are mounted up all around us that we're not thinking so big and bad of ourselves. Because it wasn't long after he dropped that jawbone that all of a sudden he sees someone else. And that someone else he saw was Delilah. Delilah. This one's worse than the first one. He falls in love with her. Look what Judges 16 and verse 5 says. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and said to her, Delilah, entice him. Entice him. Draw him away by his own desires. Entice him. Deceive him. And find out where his great strength lies. And by what means we may overpower him. See, this is the whole blueprint of Satan's plan, that we would be enticed, that we would be drawn away, that our strength would be taken, that we would be overpowered, and then what we would, that we may bind him and afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Samson has given himself to a woman that he thinks loves her, but from the very beginning, that woman is not in it for love. She's in it for money. Because if you would read it, it's just after they meet, they come to her and they tell her. I mean, they don't fool her. They say to her, find out the secret of his strength because we want to overpower him. We want to afflict him. Come on, that means like do him harm. And then we want to bind him. So she knows from the beginning that they're going to, you know, if you really love someone, do you know what you do? You would not even consider, no matter how much money they gave you, if you knew it was going to harm the other person. He's being deceived from the very word go, and he doesn't even know it. The poor guy. So what does she do? 
The Bible says she asked him, Samson. But she doesn't just ask him, come on, guys, we know the score, don't we? She dresses up so nice. She puts the best makeup on, the best, the outfit that he likes. Come on, entices him. She puts on that. She's all dressed to impress. I mean, this is a big night. Come on. And she comes up to him and goes, hey, Samson, baby. Help us, Jesus, huh? (laughs) She's trying to entice him. You see, she has to entice him with that which he desires. Satan's going to use your weakest link. Come on. She says to him, Samson, what's the secret of your strength? Samson tells her a story. And he falls asleep. And she binds him up and she screams these words, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he jumps up, ding, he breaks those bonds. She asks him again the next night or the next week, whenever it was, Samson. This time she cooks him the favorite meal too, because everyone knows a way to a man's heart is through his stomach. She said, that was it, man. I just looked good last time, but he needed a little bit more than that. She says, Samson, where's your strength? He tells her. She does another thing to him and screams out to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he jumps up and bang. Now, I don't know, but as I read something like this, I'm thinking, what is going through Samson's mind? I mean, once is one thing. But twice, I mean, to wake up in a room where there's about probably 10, 20 guys that are ready to jump you in your bedroom. Huh? And all of a sudden, you just ping, and then you just whoop their butt. How many would think, come on, the first time is kind of strange, but the second time. But listen to this, Samson goes for a third time. Well, if you weave my hair into limbs. I mean, how do you sleep knowing someone's weaving your hair into limbs? I mean, come on, someone's crocheting your hair. Now, I don't have much hair, but I've watched my kids get some of those braids put in and all that kind of thing. And can I tell you something? The words that they say is, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. That hurts when someone's pulling your hair. But again, he tells her a story. She does it and she goes, Samson. And he jumps up and he pulls those weaves or whatever out of the loom. That's where weave came from. Did you know that? He pulls it out and she shouts again, the Philistines are upon you and he jumps. He should be running for his life right now. He should be realizing something, this girl don't love me. Come on, you've got to help me out in here today. He's got to be realizing something's not right. Come on, Houston, we've got a major problem. Something's not going on. I mean, once we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Twice, come on, watch out, but three times. Thank you. I'd get rid of her too. Perhaps today we're telling the story of your life. Perhaps today we're telling the story of your life. She comes back for round four. 
And this time she's determined it's going to be different. She says, I'm not going to be made a fool of again. Come on, she says, I'm not going to be made a fool of again. Verse 16 and 17 says this. And it came to pass that she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Verse 17, that he told her all that was in her heart. It's a big mistake when you start pouring out your heart to the enemy. It's a big mistake when you start going to the enemy to find that which only God can give to you. The woman doesn't love him. And he's given her the secret to his strength. I want all of us to see the parallels with our lives today. It may not be a woman, but it's something that is appealing to your desires that has made a deal with Satan to destroy your life. Oh, it won't jump out in a red all-in-one suit with horns and a pitchfork because you'll see it. But as an angel of light, it slowly works its way into your life little at a time. But its goal is to consume you through deception. Samson's thought is, I'm called and I'm chosen of God. Nothing can take me down. But how wrong that thought proved to be. Listen to me today, you're a target. I said, you're a target. You're a target. Satan knows he can't stop you, but if he can deceive you into drawing you away, Verse 19, then she, or actually here's another scripture, Proverbs 27 verse 6. Listen to this scripture, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You need to be around people, the Bible's saying, that are going to be friends and they're going to wound you in a right way. Why? Because if you're going off track, they'll slap you around a little bit and say you need to go the other way. Because if you're going to take the kisses of the enemy, you're going to find yourself in a place of deception which will destroy your life. Look at verse 19 through 21. Then she lulled him to sleep on her laps. This is Delilah with Samson. And she called a man and shaved off the seven locks of his head. And she began to torment him and his strength left him. Now, I don't know what Delilah did, but she began to torment Samson on her lap. Because she knew his strength had left. Listen to me, she knew it, but he did not. Deception knows a lot more than you think. Verse 20, and she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. So he awoke from his sleep and he said, I will go out as before at other times and I will shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his They blinded a man who had already lost his sight through deception. They blinded a man who had already lost his sight through deception. Deception, deception, deception. I'll go out like every other time, Samson said. It will never happen to me. But it did. Why? Because Satan's plan is to destroy every one of us. 
I said, Satan's plan is to destroy every one of our lives. Now, if we would read on, the Bible says his hair began to grow back and God's strength was restored to him one more time as he stood between two pillars and he cried out and said, God, avenge these people for what they've done to me. And God had grace and mercy upon him. And the Bible says he killed more people in his death than he killed in his life. But that was not supposed to be the end of his story. Come on, listen to me. That wasn't supposed to be the end. We think, wow, that's great. He killed more people in his death. Think of how many more people he could have killed if he was still living right and doing right and being right. And never mind the people he killed. What about the deliverance he was supposed to bring his people into? Satan wants to write the end of your story. Satan wants to write the last chapter of your life. Possibly the most important chapter because we know it's not how you start the race that counts. It's how you finish. But don't let Satan rewrite the story of your life. Be sober, be vigilant, be alert, be on watch. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. But that doesn't have to be the end of your story. One last scripture as I close. Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. He didn't say Peter, Peter. It's the same person. Peter means rock. Simon means reed. R-E-E-D. Like a reed that can be shaken in the wind. Jesus looks and doesn't say rock, immovable. He looks and says that which can be shaken and moved. He says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus is predicting Peter's denial of him. We all go through tests and trials in our lives. We're all going to go through times of deception. But God has prayed for us. What an incredible thought. God has prayed for you. Prayed what? That your strength not fail. Prayed what? That you will make it through. Prayed what? That he will be your way of escape. That you won't have to go through the pathway of deception, but you can go through Him. That your eyes will be opened. That's what God's prayed. And in return, we would take our experiences and that we would use them to either steer others away from the pitfalls of life or to even show those who have fallen in that there is hope for their lives. Come on, God can use the testimony of our past. To help give someone else a testimony for their future. Satan would like nothing better than to have you as his trophy upon a wall. I heard a great message by Jensen Franklin called the trophy hunter. You don't frame a deer that doesn't even have any antlers. But if it's a 12 point or if it's a 14, 18, come on, that's a big bucks right there. 
And people frame those things. You don't frame a fish that's so, that would fit in a sardine can. But you frame one of those big bass. Satan wants your trophy on the wall. And through deception, he's trying to lure you into his trap. Don't fall victim to deceptive attacks. Ask God to open your eyes. Realize God has prayed for you. Even if it means sometimes having to go against your desires. Do whatever it takes to avoid the trap of deception. Don't give ground to Satan. Because that's the only way he can win and take you down. It may just be a little bit, but a lot of little can end up being a whole lot. Jesus says it this way, a little leaven. Leaveneth the whole lot. If you're lonely today, don't be deceived. If you're sick and tired today, don't be deceived. If you're desperate for employment today, don't be deceived. If you're weary if you're broken, if everything's going great, don't be deceived. Because Satan, like an angel of light, is trying to take you down. But God has prayed for you that your strength not fail. Every day you need to pray before you leave your home, God, God, my eyes, my ears, my mouth and my heart and my mind today. May I not be deceived. May I not believe anything as the truth, which is really just a lie. Would you stand to your feet this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.